Appreciate that. I never heard that song, and what a what a true message uh, in song. And uh, boy, I appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter number two. Matthew chapter number two. And I should have done this earlier, but I'm going to do it now because I have it written at the top of my page. And uh, I said last week that uh, we're going to have an intern. Preston is going to be with us, and he's here. And uh, so I want you to stand, Preston, and uh, I just. Uh, now you know who he is. That's Preston. He's here with us. He'll be here for the next several weeks. And his dad and, uh, and his wife is visiting with us. And I uh, certainly appreciate them being with us as well. They wanted to come down and see uh, where their son was, was going to be for a little bit. So uh, so certainly appreciate them visiting with us and, uh, and being here. And certainly appreciate uh, Preston being here. And, and you'll get to know him over the next couple of weeks as he's here working with us. And we appreciate that. So uh, Matthew chapter number 2. Last week we looked at the idea of worshiping uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we looked at the, all the ideas of of how to go about worshiping and how the wise man worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've all seen signs uh, throughout Christmas time, and and I love seeing the signs that says Jesus is the reason for the season, and uh, and certainly that's true. That's why I celebrate. I'm not interested in other things. I'm interested in celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as the wise men certainly celebrated the fact that Jesus Christ, uh, God, would come to this earth and be made flesh. Uh, what's an, what an incredible lesson that we were able to pull from the way that the wise men worshipped Jesus Christ. But not just our actions, not just the how we are to worship, but we also need to understand and consider the why we are to worship. And so last week we really looked at the how-to of worship, how we ought to worship Jesus Christ, and, and we pulled from those wise men. But this week I want us to see why we should worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Now some of these will seem obvious to you, but, uh, but nonetheless they're always good for us to understand. And, uh, and understand this too, that uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. We were talking about, uh, I, my, my son brought this up, and uh, he, we were talking about gifts and, and abilities. And it was a funny thing, and somebody had filled out an application. They said, well, what's, what's your gift or your ability? And so on the application, they put down that uh, I'm able to see uh, completely clear everything that happened and understand it. <laughs> He said, I can, I can see 2020 in the past. And, uh, and obviously we all can, so that was not a gift at all. And uh, so there's, there's no real hope in that. But uh, the hindsight of 2020 is comprehensive. And understand, I've said this several times, but understand we're looking back at Jesus' birth. We're looking at the, when he was born. These, these disciples, these wise men, and many of the prophets were looking forward to the birth of Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we're able to see a lot more and, uh, and certainly we're not going to limit our why of worship to the wise men's scope of what they saw, but rather we're going to consider the entirety of the New Testament and see all the re many reasons, not all the reasons by any stretch, but uh, many of the reasons that we are to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So Matthew chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. 
When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. And Father, thank you for um, not only the fact that you came and you give us instruction on how we are to worship, but God, also we can find in your word plentiful reasons of, how, of why we are to worship you. And God, truly, you are unique, and just as the song that was sung, and God, how great truly you are and how small we are really, uh, God, it is amazing to me that you would consider us, that you would come to earth in the form of a child, in the form of a baby, in the form of a completely dependent newborn baby. The God of the universe would take on form of flesh. God, I pray that we would understand and realize all that that entails. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd speak through me. And God, as we look at the why we are to worship. May it be so clear and so evident. God, how truly amazing and wonderful you are. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, I want us to pull just a few things from this passage. And I want us to start in verse number 2. The Bible says there in verse number 2, uh, as the wise men were coming, the Bible says, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And the king, is, uh, the king of the Jews, obviously, is one that has power and authority. And it's interesting that the wise men, uh, they came seeking uh, who was the king of the Jews. Uh, and the Bible's very clear, hey, that God or Jesus is the king of the Israel, but he's not only just the king of Israel, but he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And listen, he's worthy to be praised because of his supremacy for who he is. These wise men traveled, uh, as I was looking over passages, I kept stumbling across a few here and there, and, and they lead us to believe, we don't know exactly where those wise men came from, but they lead us to believe that they had traveled a great distance. Why did they do that? Because, listen, truly, Jesus Christ, being the Lord of lords, the King of kings, was worthy of being worshipped because of who He is. 
we find that He is Lord. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.15, which in His times He shall show who is blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Listen, they came to worship Him because He is the Lord of lords. And listen, throughout His ministry, we find that He proclaimed that and He demonstrated that in His life. As we look over His life and you think about everything that He did, uh, we can find that He had supremacy over sickness. The Bible says in Matthew 4.24, And His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto Him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. Man, what, a, what an amazing thought to think about how powerful that Jesus Christ has over all sickness. You remember the story how Jesus was walking along and there was a crowd of people. I mean, could you imagine that somebody would be able to heal people how they would throng him? He, he couldn't, he didn't have, uh, he might have had his disciples and maybe they tried to form a barrier around him, but he didn't have a motorcade that he could just jump into and escape through the crowd and, uh, and get away. I mean, people were constantly around him and constantly, oh, that's Jesus. Oh, that's the one that heals. And there was one lady who the Bible says she came up and she thought to herself, if I could just but touch the hem of his garment. And she did. And she was healed. And I'm just saying, what a miraculous time that Jesus walked through uh, history on this earth and His supremacy over sickness, over all forms of diseases, things that are impossible, yet Jesus was able to heal them of leprosy, blindness, uh, of, of deafness, of dumbness. Those who could not speak, lame, were made to walk. And I'm just saying that Jesus uh, was, uh, was, has supremacy over all sickness. What a tremendous God He is. Not only just the supremacy over sickness, but think about His life and the supremacy over the storms that take place. I remember one time in the, the disciples as they were on the sea and, and the Bible says that, uh, that a great storm came over it and, uh, and they were scared and they finally went to Jesus and as they went to Jesus, they woke Him and, and, and they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And He said, Peace, be still. And the Bible says the storms were calm. Hey, we're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's no sickness that can prevail over Him, and there's no storm that is bigger than Him. Listen, storms are very big. They're scary. A couple weeks ago, we had uh, some real heavy winds that came through. Man, you feel those winds, and you realize, man, I'm not very big. I'm not very powerful. Uh, there's not much I can do if, I mean, if a tree comes down and, and, and smashes on my house, I mean, I'm not going to go out there and hold it up. I mean, I'm not big enough to do that. And yet God, in His supremacy, Jesus Christ was larger and more powerful and had more authority over any storm that would take place on the face of the earth. And I'm saying, hey, we have reason to worship Him because of His supremacy over sickness, His supremacy over storms. But listen, my friend, probably the greatest thing, uh, one of the greatest things that He has supremacy over is that of sin. 
I love the passage in Matthew. You don't have to go there, but Matthew chapter 9, when, uh, uh, when the man that was uh, on the bed and he could not even bring himself, matter of fact, his friends took and carted the bed all the way there and, uh, and they, and they uh, brought him before Jesus and, uh, and he was lying there and Jesus said this, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. There's nothing greater than knowing that, hey, Jesus Christ has supremacy over sin. The Pharisees and the Jews that were there, they started to think, "What? this is blasphemy that he said, because they didn't believe that Jesus Christ was God. They were concerned, they're thinking in their minds, and immediately Jesus uh, could read on their faces their disapproval and their disappointment. And he said in verse number 5 of Matthew 9, whether is it easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk, but that thou may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he unto the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. Hey, listen, my friend. Jesus Christ has power over sins. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God washed my sins away. Hey, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven, though. And I'm grateful for that salvation. Hey, every Sunday when we come to church, hey, we can worship God because that's what He's done for you and I. Hey, He does have power over sickness. He does have power over storms. But more than that, He's got power over our sins and to wash them away. Hey, and praise the Lord. He's worthy of worship because He has power to wash our sins away. And we can stand before Him a child that is forgiven, a child that has been washed clean, and a child that is clear before God. He has supremacy over sins. There's nothing greater than that. Listen, that ought to excite you, that, his, that your sins have been washed away if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for, for salvation, uh, that He's washed those away. There's one more. He's got supremacy not only over sins and over sickness and over storms, but he's got supremacy over the sepulcher. Oh, I know we talk about that around Easter. But listen, that's why he came. That's why he was born in that manger. That's why he came to this earth is so that he could go all the way to the cross and pay for your sins and my sins. But listen, after he gave up his life and died on the cross, listen, they put him into that tomb. There's a song that I love to hear. It's called A Borrowed Tomb. Listen, he, he didn't have a tomb because he didn't need one. He wasn't planning on staying. He only rented the place for a few days. And, uh, and he only stayed there, the Bible says, for uh, three days and three nights. Then he rose again. And the Bible's very clear that he had supremacy over the sepulcher. And he rose again from the dead. And listen, he is living and he's sitting beside the, uh, the Father this morning in heaven. And he is God. And listen, we ought to praise him. He ought to be worshipped because he is Lord over everything. Listen, you can trust Him and you can put your faith in Him because He is supreme. He is Lord. These wise men came to Him recognizing, hey, this is the King of the Jews. This is somebody that is worthy of being worshipped. And they certainly came to Him and they worshipped Him because He is Lord. Not only did they worship Him because He is Lord, I want you to notice, look with me in verse number 2. 
The Bible says, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Not only is he Lord and is he supreme over everything, but I want you to notice the Bible says here the way they worded it, that we have seen his star. Listen, he is not only Lord, he is the light of the world. We see that in, in, in this passage, Matthew 2, 2, it says, we have seen His star. Could you imagine those wise men? As they were traveling, and I'm not, a, I'm not an astro- astrologer or by any stretch of the imagination. Matter of fact, there's two words and I get them confused, but uh, I don't know a lot about Now I enjoy looking at the stars, but I don't really know a lot about them. And I'm amazed. And could you imagine they had watched those stars and, and maybe they studied them and they had obviously searched the scripture. And, and when that star appeared, the Bible says, man, uh, they saw that star and they knew, hey, this is something special. And I don't know if that's what caused them to realize, hey, that this is the time. I I don't know exactly what it is that that made them say, hey, now's the time. But we do know the Bible is very clear that it says here uh, that they had saw his star. And listen, the Bible says in Luke chapter number one and verse 79, the Bible says this as, as a prophecy of Jesus. It says to give light unto them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And I just do know this, that light gives hope. And I could imagine those wise men as they were traveling and uh, all of a sudden that star appeared. And man, the joy that it would bring to their soul. And they said, man, there's that star. I'm telling you, these scriptures are coming to pass and we're going to have to go see and we're going to have to travel to where, that, where that, uh, the Christ child is going to be born. And it would give them hope as they would see that star. Matter of fact, it goes on, and, uh, and the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter number 60. Turn back with me there. I want you to see this. Save your spot here in Matthew as we'll be back here. But go with me to Isaiah chapter number 60. This prophetic portion was so good, it popped up several times as I was looking at it the other day. And Isaiah chapter number 60, and look with me at verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse number 1, the Bible says... Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Verse number 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and His glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Oh, I don't know if those, I kind of think those wise men would have read that in the Old Testament prophets and they would have said, hey, there is a light, there is a star that is shining and I'm telling you the timing of God is now and that light would give them hope. I don't know if you've ever sat in darkness physically, but it's kind of terrifying. I remember, I I don't know, I think it was me as a child we had gone to uh, some caverns. It might have been here in Ohio. I just don't even recall where we were living at the time. And, and we went to some caverns. And, and the guide said, we're, we're down here in these caverns. And, and the guide said, now, nah, I don't want anybody to move. 
And they said, if you have somebody that is young, please grab their hand and hold on to it. And we're going to turn out the lights only for about uh, five seconds or ten seconds. And they said, we don't want you to move, but after a couple of seconds, just take your hand and put it in front of your face. And it's so dark that you're not going to be able to see it. And so after they gave the announcement, boy, they clipped those lights off. And you talk about dark. And I, I remember as a child being scared to death. And you put your hand in front of your, you could not even see your, you could touch your nose and you still couldn't see your fingers. And it's dark. And could you imagine being in that darkness? And then just one little glimmer of light shows up. Boy, how a smile would come across your face to see just a little bit of light and have a little bit of token of something that would say, hey, there is hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Listen, many people, they sat in darkness, the Bible says. Even Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 2, it says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. And, uh, and listen, certainly that's true with the darkness that covers our society. You think about uh, people. Over the past year, so many people are setting in darkness and they don't know what to think and they're fearful for everything because, listen, now they're face to face with the chance of possibly dying and, and, and looking at eternity and not knowing what is going forward. Hey, listen, as a Christian, there is a glimmer of hope with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter the darkest of circumstances, the darkest of days, the worst of situations. At least you know, hey, when you die, you're going to heaven because you're saved and you're born again. Listen, Jesus Christ is a light and He's a light of hope. He's a light that provides for that hope for people who are in darkness. And Jesus Himself said in John chapter number 8 and verse number 12, He said, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth Me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Listen, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He's worthy to be worshipped because He provides hope for the lost and dying people who have no hope and don't know what eternity is. He's worthy to be praised because He's the light that provides hope. Not only that, but the second part of that verse in Luke 1.79, it says this, it says, to guide our feet. Going back to Matthew in our text, in chapter 2, Verse number 9, the Bible says this, Matthew 2, 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Listen, a light doesn't only just provide hope, though it does certainly provide hope. A light certainly provides help in the way. It guides us. And Jesus said in that John 8, 12 that we read earlier, He said, uh, but, but they, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. We've been preaching about walking in faith and working in faith and living in faith. And listen, Christian, if you're following Jesus Christ, hey, the closer you follow to Him, uh, the more light you'll have. 
more visibility. Hey, the farther you trail behind, if that pulpit represents Jesus Christ, and the farther you get away from Him, uh, listen, the darker it starts to become. And you're kind of living in uncertainty, and you're saying, man, I, I'm not for sure, and, and all of a sudden things aren't as clear, but hey, the closer you get to that light source, and the closer you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the more, uh, the more bright things are around you, the more you can see where you're going, the more that He directs you, and these wise men, as they were going, uh, they hit a place where they weren't for sure, and they went to King Herod, and they said, hey, uh, we're trying to find Jesus, King of the Jews, He's supposed to be born here, and after they did that, uh, he said, well, you let me know. And then they went back out. And the Bible says that the star appeared and led them exactly to where Jesus Christ was born. And I'm just saying there's a parallel between that, that a light certainly helps, it guides. And that's what Jesus said, that he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Jesus is a light. You think about this. Light helps understand everything, and I kind of equate that to a tour guide. And, and I thought, well, maybe people wouldn't understand that, and I'm sorry. I lived overseas for a long time, and I spent a lot of time overseas, and I ran into a lot of tour, tour guides. And, uh, and, and in Italy, while we were there, you run around, and you know what you do? You look at a bunch of pile of rocks. And if you don't know history like that, it's a pile of rocks. That's all it is to you. But if you've got a tour guide, he can enlighten you and say, oh, this pile of rocks, actually, it used to be a tower in this war at this time. And he'll give you, he'll fill you in on all of those details. And he will help you understand things that you did not understand as you were looking at a pile of rocks. And I've looked at many pile of rocks. Tour guide will help. Jesus Christ will help you in your life to understand things that you will not understand without Jesus Christ. Much of the world is lost in darkness. They're without hope. They're unsure of what is taking place. If you look at, if you look at the world and you look at all that's going on, you may be scratching your head saying, man, uh, what a fearful day and age we live in. But listen, if you're following to Jesus Christ, yeah, you look around and you say, man, that's kind of crazy. I just want to stay a little bit closer to Jesus because, man, he helps me understand. He helps me see things clearly. A tour guide will help you understand what you're looking at. A tour guide will help show you the way. Listen, uh, sometimes you get out there in places that you're unfamiliar with and, and they take you here and they're like, let's shortcut, let's go this way. Hey, Jesus Christ will help you, guide you on the way of your life. It's a light that will guide you and will help you. Uh, listen, a tour guide will keep you out of trouble and keep you away from some bad parts of town. Listen, Jesus Christ will help you in life and keep you out of trouble and, and keep you close to Him. And I'm just saying He's a light that would guide us and would help us to see where we're going. We ought to praise Him not only because uh, He is the Lord and He is supreme over all, but He is a light that gives us hope and He gives us help and He'll guide us, and we ought to praise Him because He leads us in our life. He's worthy of praise. We notice in our text as well that He gives us peace. Light gives peace. The Bible says, and we didn't read it, but Luke 179, we didn't turn there rather, but I did quote it. It says, uh, to give light unto them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Boy, it's nice to know as a Christian that you can have peace. 
You can have peace with God. You can have peace in the circumstances, though the storm rage around us, though everything might blow up and turn crazy. We can know that we rest in Jesus Christ and we're following him. He is light. Not only is he Lord, not only is he light, but I want you to see this last one back in our text in, in, in Matthew chapter 2. Verse number 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Not only is he Lord and is he light, he's also life. They came to worship Jesus Christ. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 1. Just back one page perhaps or even on the same page. Verse number 23 the Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Imagine the sight to behold. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, the God that created everything in the form of human flesh as a baby. What a most miraculous sight. Babies are born. People celebrate. It's normal. Um, girls tend to get more excited, I think, than guys. And, and my, my uh, niece had a baby. And my, my wife, after, I don't know, a month or two, she's like, I got to go see that baby. It's already a month old. And then uh, the other day she said, oh, she's getting so big, I got to go see that baby. Uh, it's the celebration of life. Listen, when a new baby comes into the world and they're so precious and, and you just got to see that baby and say, man, uh, they're so wonderful. And, and, and certainly that's something to celebrate. But listen, Jesus Christ, the Lord over everything, the light of the world, the fact that he came as life into this world in the human form, boy, those, those wise men said, man, we have got to go see it. They celebrated life. And listen, Jesus Christ is life. He said in John 14, 6, but I say unto you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said in John 10, 10, he said, the thief cometh not, uh, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so in Jesus coming and the fact that he is life and that he was born here on this world, but the fact that he came and he came to go all the way to the cross of Calvary and to die on the cross of Calvary so that you and I, who would not even ever see him physically on this earth could have life and life abundantly and life eternally through Jesus Christ. He is life. Listen, he's worthy to be worshiped because he is life. And listen, uh, that's, that was a physical birth and that was a physical moment. And while we celebrate that, and certainly it's something that we uh, stand in awe of that Jesus Christ was born here on this earth. Uh, listen, there is a spiritual birth as well. And the Bible says in Luke 5, 15, 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. What's he talking about? Listen, there's joy over life of salvation. John chapter 3, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And the Bible says he was a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus 
and, uh, and Jesus started talking with him. And in John 3, 3, or 3, yes, 3, 3, Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must be born again. Nicodemus said, what? How is that even possible? He said, that's not a thing. And Jesus said, oh, it is. And he goes on a, little, a few verses later, and he said this in John 3, 5. He said, uh, he said, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That would be a physical birth and a spiritual birth. And then he goes on and he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Listen, there's spiritual birth that takes place when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And you know what? Jesus gives you life. And He's worthy to be praised because the life He provides for each and every person. What a miraculous thing that He would do that. It's mysterious to some. They'll look at it and say, be born again, what? Listen, He's talking spiritually. He's talking about putting your faith in Jesus Christ and asking Him to be your Savior. That's why He came. Listen, these wise men, they came to worship Him. Why? Because He was Lord of all. Because He was the light of the world. And because He is life and provides life to all people. Jesus Christ is worthy to be worshipped. What an opportunity that we have to worship the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a miraculous thing that He would come to this world. He would come as a baby. I, I, I'm, I'm always in awe of that. That the God of the universe would come so dependent upon man. Could not feed Himself. Could not walk. Could not move. Could not protect Himself. Lived. Died on the cross of Calvary rose again from the dead so that you and I could be saved. What a wonderful Savior we have. As we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, God, we thank you for the miraculous, wonderful story of Christmas. Not a, not a story as in a fake story, but a historical, true story. That you came to this earth. God, that you truly are the Lord of everything, supreme over everything. That you are the light of the world and that, God, if we would draw close to you, God, we'd have guidance in our life. And that you're the life and, God, that you would provide to us Life eternal through Jesus Christ. What a blessing. What a reason to praise you. What a reason to thank you. God, I pray that you would just bless each and every person that's here. God, if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, that they would put their faith and trust in you and be saved today. And that they could have life, that they could have that spiritual new birth. And that there would be rejoicing in heaven, God. 
over one sinner repenting. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. Help us to worship you and to remember why you came. God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have our heads bowed and eyes closed, we'll just have a short hymn of invitation. God's spoken to your heart. The altar's open. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm not saved or I'm not born again, but I want to put my faith and trust in him. Listen, it's as simple as, as asking God to save you. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's spiritual birth. That's being born again. Asking him to save you. And if you do that, let me know. We want to rejoice with you. For Christians, oh, we have a multitude of reasons to praise Him, to worship Him. Let's not lose sight of who He is. Let's not forget the marvelous story of Christmas during the Christmas season.